Gillette's Cavalcade of Sports is on the air. From Briggs Stadium in Detroit, Gillette presents the World Series for the seventh consecutive year. This is Al Helfer with Bill Slater and Bill Corum saying good afternoon for the Gillette Safety Razor Company as the Detroit Tigers and Chicago Cubs warm up for the second game in the Baseball Classic of 1945. Men, look sharp. Feel sharp. Be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. Gillette is your radio host at leading sports events the year round. Over various networks, Gillette's Cavalcade of Sports airs the Kentucky Derby, football bowl games, and similar attractions of national interest as they occur from time to time. Regularly, every Friday night, Gillette also broadcasts the major boxing match of the week blow by blow for fans coast to coast and overseas. Well, baseball fans, it's a brilliant day here in the Motor City. At Briggs Stadium in Detroit, we have a bright, brilliant sun working, and we have a clear blue sky with temperature today, thank goodness, in the 70s, as compared to yesterday's middle 40s. The wind has uh, subsided somewhat during the night, and this afternoon here at Detroit, the wind condition seems to be negligible. As a matter of fact, we have a slight breeze blowing from behind first base to left field. As a matter of fact, it's been so pleasant here at Briggs Stadium this afternoon in Detroit that the bleachers out in center field filled up by 11.30 this morning. And folks have been sitting out there basking in the sunlight and have really been enjoying the World Series atmosphere. Speaking of a World Series atmosphere, we might also say that Detroit itself has been rather subdued in far, as far as the uh, feeling of a World Series is concerned because of the 9 to nothing defeat the Chicago Cubs handed the battling Detroit Tigers yesterday. And everywhere, and with everyone with whom I spoke yesterday and yesterday evening, seemed to believe that, well, they had to get that baseball game out of their system some way. That these Detroit Tigers are a far better ball club. Well, Chicago, I know, has something to say about that. And in just a few minutes, I know that my very good friend and yours, Bill Corum, is going to have something to say about that, too. Well, okay, Bill Corum, how are you today? Uh, all right, Commodore Helper, I'm very good. And I guess you and Curtis Slater would like to know a little bit about this weather you're talking so much about. I just discovered this morning that the fellow in charge of the Detroit Weather Bureau is a boy, or a man rather, called Bill Oakes. I said boy first because I knew him as a boy. We used to call him Wilbur back home. Laura Speed, Elliott High School, and my great little old hometown down in Missouri, Boonville, Missouri. And so we got together this morning and fixed this up for you. And all these fans that are going to be out here and all our listeners for an almost perfect day for baseball. A little chilly maybe, but otherwise uh, sunny and bright and cheerful. And I think the crowd will be bigger today than it was yesterday. Now the Cubs who galloped around so gladly and joyously out there on the field yesterday had better be a little careful this afternoon. They might get hit by a truck. For Virgil Fire Trucks, the Birmingham smokestack, who's going to do the pitching against them, is really fast. Blinding and blitz fast. Now I'm fanning here before and after these World Series games with you nice listeners. I've said that the Cubs like to hit fastball pitching. That's right, too. They do. But there are various degrees of what baseball people call the swift or the old high heartwood. Perhaps this sort of comparison might be made. One small boy and one green apple, not so bad. But one small boy and a lot of green apples, not so good. So it is with speedball pitching and this fella trucks throws a lot of speed. In fact, I'd be inclined to think that Virgil fires a faster ball than anybody in baseball today. 
And I, too, have heard of Bobby Fuller and that fellow, Ali Reynolds, both of the Cleveland Indians, and both of whom can wear back and boom it through there. But we must remember that until last Sunday in that dramatic game down in St. Louis at Sportsman's Park, where the Tigers clinched the American League pennant, previous to that, Crooks was pitching what to a professional athlete has to be a sort of informal baseball in the Navy. Today it's for the money, and there's a difference in that sort of competition. A vast difference. And it might be that Virgil is rushing it a little bit to step in here out of the Navy and attempt to pitch a World Series game this afternoon. It's not my idea to play Grimm's cards for him, yet the way to beat Crooks might be to make him pitch all the time. Wait him out, monkey around up there at the plate. He can be wild. Proof of that is that he once lost a no-hitter in Montreal. I don't remember the exact circumstances of that one, but bases on balls likely made it possible. And Virgil must be about the only pitcher around who ever contrived that feat. There's another interesting angle of the two pitchers, Hank Wise of the Cubs, and a great pitcher, too, who won 22 and lost 10 and was the Cubs' mainstay in the box. A right-hander and a fellow with plenty of swift of his own. Both these fellows are of Irish Indian ancestry. Wise, I believe, coming uh, from the Cherokee tribe. Now, I didn't know there were many Irish Indians in the world, but here we are at the second game of the World Series in Detroit with two pitchers, two clerking good right-handers going against each other, and both of them of Irish Indian ancestry. Speaking about pitchers, I got a little bang a minute ago seeing a fella down there throwing to the Cubs in batting practice, who the last time the Tigers and Cubs played was the Chicago pitching ace. Lonnie Warnicke, the old Arkansas hummingbird, pitching this time in batting practice, but only 10 years ago, the great star of the Chicago Cubs. We're going to have a good ball game here today, folks. I'm just as sure as anything in the world that it'll be a honey. And that's all for now, fans, but just as soon as the last man's out, I'll be back to give you my summary of what I see from the press box. Thank you, Bill Corham, and we'll be waiting for you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're only a few minutes away from the opening pitch of the second game of the 1945 World Series. And I should like to give you the lineups for both the Chicago Cubs and the Detroit Tigers before we turn Bill Slater loose on the first four and a half innings of this ball game here from Briggs Stadium. For Chicago, hitting in the number one spot and playing at third base is Stanley Hack. Hack at third and leading off for Chicago. Hitting in the number two spot for the Cubs and playing at second base is Don Johnson. Johnson hitting second and playing at second. Hitting in the number three spot for the Cubs is Harry Lowry in left field. Lowry in left field for Chicago. Hitting in the number four or cleanup spot is the National League's leading batsman of 1945, first baseman Phil Cavaretta. Cavaretta for Chicago at first base, hitting in the number four spot. Hitting number five is center fielder Andy Pafko. And he played himself a whale of a ball game here yesterday. Pafko for Chicago, hitting five and playing in center field. Hitting in the number six spot for Chicago is Bill Nicholson, the right fielder. Nicholson in right field. The catcher for this afternoon for Chicago, hitting in the number seven spot, is Paul Gillespie. Gillespie is catching this afternoon for Chicago. Hitting in the number eight spot is Hughes, the shortstop, Roy Hughes. Wise is the pitcher, Hank Wise, who has won 22 and lost 10. Now the Detroit Tigers are coming onto the field, and here's how they'll line up. For Detroit, Jimmy Skeeter-Webb will be at shortstop. Webb at short, leading off for Detroit. At second base is Eddie Mayo. Mayo at second base. Hitting three is Roger Doc Kramer in center field. 
In the number four cleanup spot is left fielder Hank Greenberg. Greenberg in left field for Detroit. Hitting fifth is Roy Cullenbein in right field. Cullenbein in right field for Detroit. Hitting sixth is big first baseman Rudy Preston York. York at first base for Detroit. Hitting sixth. Hitting seventh is Jimmy Outlaw, the third baseman. Outlaw at third for Detroit. The catcher again this afternoon is Richards, and he's hitting eighth. And the pitcher is Virgil Trucks, just out of the Navy. And now, right up to the microphone, is Bill Slater. Bill, it's all yours. Thank you, Al Harper. Here's the way the umpires are situated down there. Umpiring behind the plate is Lou Jordan of the National League. Umpiring at first is Art Passarella of the American. Jock O'Connell of the National League is the umpire at second. And Bill Summers of the American League is the umpire at third base. Now the Tigers are out on the field and the band is all ready for our national anthem. Californian veteran Stanley Camfield Hack is stepping up there, a left-handed hitter, and he's the leadoff man for Chicago, and he has been for a long, long time. Stanley yesterday just got one hit out of five times up. That was an infield scratch hit, and he struck out once. Now he's all ready to go. Stands deep in the batter box, and fire trucks commences the pitch to him, and it's a good call strike. And Virgil Trucks, undoubtedly the sentimental favorite today because he's scarcely a week out of the United States Navy, flips a cold strike in over the outside corner to Mr. Hack. Hack swings on this one. There's a ground ball to deep shortstop. Skeeter Webb has it. The throw to first is not quite in time. It was into the dirt. Very, very close, and Hack is on. We'll get the official ruling on that. It was hit to deep shortstop, as we told you. Hack is on at first on a hit to short. And here is Don Johnson stepping up. I think it's going to be scored as a single, but the official scorer hasn't made up his mind as yet. Johnson bats right-handed. He's ready to go. The pitch to him is high. It's ball one. And Hack is on at first. 
guy Johnson also is a Californian. He lives at Laguna Beach. That was a single for Hack a moment ago, a single shortstop. The next pitch to Don Johnson, right-handed hitting second baseman of the Cubs, is high for ball two. 2-0 the count, and Hack is on. Hack got an infield hit just as he did yesterday. That's because Hack still at 36 has got plenty of speed. Now the ball is returned to the mound. The Texan Paul Richards gets down, sets the signal, and the boy from Alabama, Virgil Trucks, pitches overhand, and it's good. A fast call strike, just waist high over the outside corner. As Bill Coram told you, this guy Trucks can fog that thing in there. He's very fast, a husky guy. Now Trucks looks at first, delivers to the batter. There's a bunt down toward first. York is fielding it. The play is going to be at first, and York touches the man and knocks him down. York waved everybody away on that sacrifice. Johnson was speeding down toward first, and York, who's a big husky guy, put the ball on Johnson and put it on him so darn hard that Johnson fell down into the dirt. So it's a sacrifice for Johnson. He's out to the first baseman unassisted, and Hack is in potential scoring position at second, and here comes Peanuts Lowry. Guy Lowry bats right-handed. He's a Californian also. It looks as if California is monopolizing the top of the batting order of the Chicago Cubs. Lowry yesterday and four times up did not hit. A little bit on the short side is Peanuts and dark hair. Hits from a wide batting stance. Pitch to him is swung on, foul tip. Right smack into the chest protector of silver-haired Lou Jorda, who's umpiring behind the plate. And Stan Hack, the great third baseman of the Cubs, is leading off second now. And Virgil Trucks, who pitched in that game Sunday out at uh, St. Louis and only gave up three hits. Boy, was taken out. Looks awfully good for a man who's just fresh out of the Navy. There's a pitch to Lowry. It's a little too high. Peanuts pulls his head back out of the way. That makes one ball, one strike to count on Lowry, the left fielder of Chicago. As I mentioned to you yesterday, he looks like Fred McMurray. I only know one person who looks more like Fred McMurray, and that's Fred McMurray. Trucks is ready to go again. Hack leads off second. Here's the pitch. Lowry takes it. It's a little too high. That was pretty close, but a little high, and the count is ball two, strike one on Lowry. One out, man on at second for Chicago. Top of the first. Trucks ready to fire that thing in there. Stretches, looks carefully at Hack. Now he backs off the rubber and decides to rub the ball up a little bit more. Trucks will be handling all this very, very carefully. And this Lowry, who hasn't hit yet in the series, is pitching to get a hold of one. Here comes the pitch to him. He swings on it, slaps it out into left field. It's falling in for a hit. Fielded on the first hop out there by Greenberg. The play is going to be at the plate. It's going to be awfully close. And Hack is out at the plate. That was a magnificent throw by Hank Greenberg. It was a clean single for Lowry into left field. Greenberg took it on the first big hop, fired it into Paul Richards at the plate, and Richards had it 10 feet before Hack got there. On the throw in, Lowry went down to second. That makes it two out now with a man on at second. Here's Phil Cavaretta, who hit a home run yesterday. Phil bats left-handed and has that peculiar stance of standing very deep in the batter's box. Crouch is over. Pitch to him is swung on. It's hit down to York at first base. York has it, waves everybody away, steps on first. Cavaretta is out. No runs for Chicago on the top of the first inning. Two hits, a base runner left on. There were no Detroit errors. The score is nothing to nothing.
In the World Series stolen base department, the Chicago Cubs of 1907 and the Pittsburgh Pirates of 1909 hold a joint record of stealing 18 bases, oddly enough, from the Detroit Tigers of those years. Now, I might add, fans, that when it comes to stealing a march on Tough Beard, it's Gillette that holds the record. Yes, sir, you get the best-looking shaves in the book, the quick, easy, all-Gillette way. What you do is soften your beard with Gillette shaving cream, lather or brushless, and then just skim it off, smooth as silk, with today's Gillette Blue Blade in your Gillette razor. Gillette shaving creams are top-notch beard softeners. They hold abundant moisture and take the starch out of stubble in a hurry. Yes, sir, and with today's Gillette Blue Blade in your Gillette razor, the rest of the job is a cinch. Men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. Now, after a thrilling top half of the first inning, in which the Tigers, alertly and showing tremendous ginger and pep and speed, turned back the Cubs, when twice the Cubs had men down to second, here comes the last half of the first inning. And the first batter up for Detroit Tigers will be Jimmy Webb, the shortstop. I noticed Webb and his wife, who is Steve O'Neill's daughter, standing down here with Steve's other daughter, who's married to Hank Nowak of Minneapolis, an outfielder, having their pictures taken before the ball game. And Webb steps in there, batting right-handed. Yesterday, he went one for four. Here's the pitch to him. It's inside by Hank Wise. Wise, as you all know, was the pitching ace of the 1945 season for Chicago. He won himself 22 ball games while losing only 10. And he's known for pitching low-run ball games. Hank Wise, who was part Cherokee Indian, Gets ready, delivers, Webb swings on it, there's a blooper out into short left field, in comes Peanuts Lowry, he's under it now, and he takes it for the out. So Webb flies out to left, and it's one out for Detroit in the last of the first inning. Here comes the Tigers' popular second baseman, Eddie Mayo. Mayo yesterday went two for four, batting 500. He struck out once. Mayo, I noticed yesterday, was wearing sunglasses, and I discovered today that Don Johnson, the second baseman of the Cubs borrowed Mayo's sunglasses, and I think this is the first time that second basemen have worn sunglasses in the World Series. Mayo bats left-handed, and he's ready to go. Takes a fast call strike in there just above the knees. Strike one on Mayo. Eddie stands deep in the batter's box, shoots his right foot forward a bit. Swings on one, slaps it out into left field. There goes Lowry. He's running back, back, and he goes back and takes it. Had to go almost back to that uh, skin surface of the outfield, back there almost against the stands. So Mayo got a hold of it. And Lowry, who's been a busy little peanut out there in left field, his name is Peanuts, has effected the first two outs. Now with two out and nobody on, here comes Doc Kramer. A New Jersey gentleman. That's left-handed. Hank Wise... Goes into that big wind-up, pitches to Kramer, who hits it on the ground, past the mound. It's fielded by John Johnson. The throw to Cabaret is in time. And Kramer is out. Four to three. So the Tigers go out and order in the last half of the first inning, and at the end of a full inning of play, there's no score in this ball game as yet, and it's starting out with terrific promise of being a whale of a baseball game. One of the most interesting things occurring here at the series is having a chapter right below us down here, 14 men from Dibble General Hospital out in Menlo Park in California who have either lost their eyesight or had their vision impaired by war wounds 
are here as special guests at the World Series in 1944. We had the pleasure, Al and I, of having a group of them on a broadcast last night, and they are swell boys with an absolutely unquenchable spirit, all of them. And this afternoon, I'm happy to say, and uh, yesterday too, of course, that these uh, boys are enjoying the ball game tremendously. They have earphones uh, through which this broadcast from our booth up here is piped right down to them so that they get the pleasure of being at the games and they get the pleasure, and we hope, boys, that that's what it is, of hearing the description of the ball game, too. Now we're ready for inning number two, and the first batter for Chicago is going to be Andy Papko, the Boyceville, Wisconsin boy, who was about ready to step in there. And Papko was a big Chicago gun yesterday. He got three hits out of four times up. One of them was a double, and he walked one. That gives him a hitting average of 750 for the series. And Andy is trying to keep that up. He bats right-handed. Trucks pitches him, and it's a good, fast call strike. Boy, that was fast. That Trucks can feed that ball in there. Trucks winds up, comes down overhand. It's swung on, fouled off. Two strikes on Andy Papko. P-A-F-K-O. Charlie Grimm, the Cub manager, calls him Trushka. Charlie has a name for everybody. Two strikes on Papko, the first batter in the second inning. Virgil Trucks works. Papco swings on it. There's a blooper back of second base. Back into the sun goes Eddie Mayo. Has those sunglasses on, and he takes it. in short right field for the out. That's all for Papco. Flies out to the second baseman, Mayo, who covers a lot of territory out there. Trucks, uh, 26 years old, was discharged from the Navy because of an injury to his knee. His father was a semi-pro baseball pitcher, as a matter of fact, down in Alabama. That's where Virgil comes from. Now he gets ready to pitch to bad Bill Nicholson from Maryland. Nicholson fouls off the first one. It was a fast low ball. Nicholson yesterday went two for four, and one of them was a triple, and he batted in three runs. So bad Bill, as they call him, is just as bad as ever. He bats left-handed. Chuck delivers inside and high. Ball one. One ball, one strike on big Bill Nicholson. Nicholson's got a tremendous coup of tobacco in that jaw of his. They say he never has to buy any tobacco that the fans give it to him down in Chicago. Well, he can show it. Trucks pitches just inside. That's ball two. Two balls, one strike on Nicholson. One out, nobody on, top of the second inning. No score yet. Trucks. Nicholson swinging on it. There's a high fly ball going into right field. Cullenbein is coming in for it. He's under it, and he's got it. That's two out for Chicago in the top of the second inning. And now here's the catcher, Paul Gillespie. He's a left-handed batter, and he catches when they have right-handed pitching for Detroit. Mickey Livingston catches when the Detroit pitcher is a lefty. So this is Gillespie's first appearance at the plate in this 45 series. He's a big fella. Pitch to him is good. A fastball on the inside corner. I doubt if he even saw it. Gee, that was fast. This trucks has steam. One strike on Big Gillespie. Trucks works. Gillespie swings on it. There's a blooper. High. Back of second base. Back again goes Mayo. He waves everybody away. He takes it out of the sun. Gillespie is out, and that's all for Chicago in the top of the second inning. Nothing across for the Cubs. The score is nothing to nothing. And now, fans, here's Billy Southworth, who St. Louis Cardinals all but won the National League pennant for the fourth consecutive time this year. Hello, fans. That almost business is why I'm up here in the booth 
Why, Busman, it's holiday. Well, Billy, you look right in the pink. Uh, tell me, did you shave with a Gillette Blue Blade this morning? You know plenty well I did. You checked on that before the game before game time. Right. On the other hand, frankly, I wouldn't think of using any any other kind. Gillette Blue Blades are always sharp and easy shaving. And I like consistency. Well, thanks, uh, Billy Southworth. And let me add, fans, that for the best-looking shaves of your life, the quickest and the easiest a man can have, get acquainted with Gillette Blue Blades. Look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. All right, here's the last of the second inning, and the first batter up is Hank Greenberg. And as he comes from the dugout, he gets a tremendous hand from the Detroit crowd here, and well, he deserves it, because that was a beautiful throw of his back there in inning number one that cut off Stan Hack at the plate, prevented a score in this scoreless ball game. Big Hank yesterday had one hit out of two official times up. He was walked once, and once he was hit by the pitch. And here's a great figure in American baseball. Greenberg from the Bronx in New York stands up there tall, a right-handed batter, stands almost straight up. And Hank Wise from Arkansas looks him over. Wise pitches to Greenberg, and it's high. Hank has to twist to get out of the way. It was a little close, too. Wise stands unmoving on the mound. Now he breaks until he's wind up. Delivers to Greenberg. Greenberg swings on it. There's a high fly ball going into center field. Back goes Papko. He runs way back. He's under it now, and he takes it in deep center field. That was a well-spiked ball, and Greenberg, who had rounded first and headed towards second, keeps on looking at Papko out there, as if to say, I wish you weren't so darn fast, kid. That's all for Greenberg. One out for Detroit in the last of the second. Here's Roy Cullenbein. He went 0 for 3 yesterday. A switch hitter who bats left-handed against right-handed pitching, and that's what we have today. Here's the pitch to Cullenbein. He swings, foul, tips it. Ball scuds away on the ground, back against the screen. One strike. Sky Cullenbein was with the Yankees in the World Series back in 1942, so this is his second World Series. He's a big, sturdy fella. Wise pitches him. It's outside. Ball one. One ball, one strike on Roy Cullenbein. Cullenbein was born in Tennessee, but he grew up here in Detroit. This is his hometown now. Pitch to him is outside again. Ball two. Two and one on Cullenbein. And this game is starting out with all the appearance of being one of those tight, tense, closely fought struggles. And the crowd is sort of edging forward a little on its seat. Wait for the break. Hank Wise in a big windup. He's down sidearm, and it's taken, and it's just outside for ball three. Pretty close. Three and one the count on Cullenbein. Wise pitches. Cullenbein takes it. It's outside, and Cullenbein is walked. That's the first Detroit base runner in this ballgame. First walk. Wise pitched seven games through the season in which he gave up no walks at all, but this will not be a game of that type because he has now walked Cullenbein. He wasn't wild. He was just trying for the corners and just missed getting them. Now here's Rudy York, big right-handed batter who's the slugger type. Takes a pitch that's close and inside, twists out of the way. Paul Gillespie, the catcher there, who was born in the same town as Rudy York, throws the ball back to the mound. They were both born in Cartersville, Georgia. Well, Cartersville has two men in this series. Here's the pitch to York. A little high. The other pitch wasn't good. It was inside, as I told you, so that makes the count. Ball two, no strikes on Rudy York. Y-O-R-K. 
Big Rudy, they call him Kickapoo. Cullenbein leads off first, one out. York takes, it's a strike. Hank Wise was very good with that one. Wise waits for Gillespie's signal, has it. Cullenbein holds pretty close at first. Here's the pitch to York. It's a strike again. Wise fooled him that time. That was one off the inside corner, just below the shoulder blades. Just below the level of the shoulder blades, at least. Two balls, two strikes now on York. Here it comes. York takes it, and that is foul strike three. He's out of there. That's the first strikeout in the ball game. Now here's little Jimmy Outlaw, a Tennessee chap, stepping up there, batting right-handed. Yesterday, little Jimmy went one for four. He's played with Cincinnati. This is his third year with Detroit, and he played four years in Buffalo, as you people down there remember. Right-handed batter, Wise pitches him. It's inside and throws it Wise throws over to first. Big Roy Cullenbine lumbers back in time. Here's the pitch to Outlaw. Swings on it, slaps it out the left field. It's a good hit. Peanut Lowry takes it out there, throws the ball into third, and Cullenbine stops at second. That was the first hit, first hit off Wise, and it was a honey. A well-spiked ball out into left field. So now there are runners at first and second with two out, and here's Paul Richards. Richards didn't hit yesterday, although he was walked once. He's the tall Texas Ranger type. Stands 6'2", weighs 185. Dark hair, 37 years old, a veteran. Stands there, batting right-handed. Wise pitches him. It's too close. Ball one. Richards, with all of his savvy and his experience and his natural temperament, is a pretty tough man to have up there in the clutch. Wise knows it. Richard swings on that one, that's a foul, it's going over near the stands, it's being chased by Hacken, it's being chased by Lowry, and they can't get it, and Lowry falls against the canvas out there. <laughs> but he's not hurt. He did quite a circus tumble on that roll of canvas. That's the canvas that they spread over the diamond when rain comes, or when they think it might come. It's a good thing they did that today before the series, too, because the playing surface of Big Stadium is in magnificent condition. This, incidentally, is a beauty of a stadium for baseball. We've got a booth way up here like a bunch of eagles. Look down on everything, get a bird's eye view. So now the count on Richards is one ball, one strike. Wise gets ready. Here's the pitch, low. Ball two. Richards started for it, pulled up just in the nick of time. Kellen Byrne is at second. Outlaw with a hit is at first. Two out. Richards pumping that right back and forth. Here's the pitch to him. He takes it, started for it again, and pulled up just in time. That's ball three. Three balls, one strike. Obviously, Wise is not giving Richards anything too good to hit at. The pitcher, Trucks, who hasn't done much batting lately, being in the Navy, is scheduled to come up next. Wise stretches, delivers. Richards swings on it. There's a ground ball down to shortstop. It's fielded down there by Hughes. The throw to first at Cabaret is in plenty of time, and Richards was out by three strides. So that's all for Detroit in the last half of the second inning. Here's the way that adds up. No runs, one hit, two base runners left on, and no errors. And at the end of two full innings of play, the score is nothing to nothing. Now we're moving into the top of the third inning. And Virgil Trucks, coming out of the dugout there, beating his right hand into his glove, is going out to pick up where he left off at the end of the second inning. 
Trucks gave up two hits in the first inning. Some beautiful fielding, principally by Hank Greenberg, cut off a potential run at the plate, and after that, Trucks settled down, and he's retired the last four men in order. Trucks, incidentally, used to play some professional basketball. In 1942 and 43, the last seasons he pitched for Detroit prior to going into the Navy, he won a total of 30 games for the Tigers. He's very popular here. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, just being discharged from the Navy, a great many people are pulling for old fire trucks. He was born in Birmingham, Alabama. So the gentleman from Alabama, sir, is about ready to go. He's completed his warm-up pitches, and here stepping into facing, is Roy Hughes, the shortstop of the Cubs. This is his first time up. He went all for three yesterday and struck out twice. That's why he's batting down in the number eight spot. Pitch to Hughes is outside. Ball one. Trucks delivers. Hughes swings on it, hits it down to second base. It's fielded neatly by Mayo. The throw to York is in time by ten strides, and Hughes is out of there. Four to three. One away for Chicago on the top of the third. Now here's Hank Wise, the pitcher. Wise is taking a little bit of time coming from the dugout there. Incidentally, this guy Wise has a lot of baseball in his life because last February he married uh, Doris Burns, and she's the daughter of Bunny Burns, you know, who used to pitch for the, at the, at the athletics back in, oh, 23, 24, and 25. Wise lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma now, though he was born in Arkansas. Trucks pitches to Wise, who's a right-handed hitter. Wise takes it high for ball one. Wise not much of a hitter. He's had 17 hits out of 101 times up this year for an average of 168. Fouls that one off. It goes into the stands. Rolls down onto the screen. One ball, one strike now on Hank Wise. W-Y-S-E. He was born on a farm near Lunsford, Arkansas. Fouls off another one, and it flops into the crowd just to the right of Happy Chandler's box down there. <laughs> Some high school kid feels it. No score in this game as yet, you know. It's a nothing-to-nothing struggle. We're in the top of the third inning. Count on Hank Wise, the second man up for Chicago, is one and two. Wise swings, strikes out. That's the first strikeout for Virgil Trucks. Makes it two out in the top of the third, and up comes Stanley Hack to start the second batting around for the Chicago Cubs. Hack hit, as you remember, the deep shortstop his first time up and got on. He was the cub who was thrown out at the plate beautifully by Hank Greenberg. There's that Hack smile again. Left-handed batter. Hack swings on that one. There's a ground ball down to York at first. York has it, tosses it to... No! No! He was going to toss it to Trucks, decided to try it first himself, and he was too late. And Hack is on again. Got the official scoring on that in just a second. It was a slow roller down toward first. It scored as a single. A slow roller that York picked up. Trucks went over to cover. York motioned as if to toss to Trucks, then didn't, decided to try to get his foot on the bag in front of Hack, and he didn't succeed. So that's three infield hits that Hack has gotten since the series started, and two of them today. Two out now, Hack on at first. Here's Don Johnson, the second baseman, who bats right-handed. He sacrificed his first time up in this game. Trucks pitches him high and outside for ball one. Johnson was pretty hot yesterday. He went two for five. One of those hits was a double, and he scored two runs. Johnson was hurt down in Cincinnati a little over a week ago when he tried to field Al Lakeman's drive, but he's all right. Now, there's a throw to first, and Hack has to dive back in, coming in on his belly. Wow. 
Stanley was traveling like an army then, to wit, on his stomach. Dived in there. He just got back. Now the ball is returned to the mound, and Trucks is ready to pitch to Don Johnson. Here it comes. Johnson takes it outside. Ball two. Two and all the count. Hackett first. Two out. Top of the third. Don Johnson, the son of a major league ball player, is ready to go. Pitch is good. Fast one gets the outside corner. And the plate umpire, Lou Jordan, of the National League, says he'd like to look over that ball that Trucks is working with. And he puts a new ball in play. Trucks rubs it up, picks up the rosin bag. Trucks has kept himself in good physical condition in that Navy. Two and one, the count on Johnson. Here's the throw. Johnson swings, misses. The count now is two and two. Two balls, two strikes. Been a lot of speculation as to how Trucks would go, being so fresh out of the Navy. But, brother, he looks all right. The pitch is swung on, and, of course, Hack was breaking for second, but it didn't matter because the pitch was missed. And Trucks hangs up his second strikeout, and in the top of the third inning, there were no runs for Chicago. One hit, one base runner left on, and no Detroit errors. The score is nothing to nothing. You know, you'll look through the book a long time before you find another three-year record like the one that Billy Southwest St. Louis Cardinals hung up in 1942, 3, and 4. By winning exactly 105 games in 43 and 44, plus 106 games in 1942, the cards piled up an amazing record for consistency. Yes, and amazing consistency of quality, as Billy Southworth told you just a while ago, is why he and millions of other men prefer the Gillette Blue Blade by all odds. In fact, men, today's Gillette Blue Blade is number one in preference the world over because it's number one in uniform sharpness and perfect performance. So for utmost shaving satisfaction, including economy, get help to Gillette Blue Blades. Look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever hung. And now the Detroit crowd, as we come to the last half of the third inning of this scoreless ball game, give Virgil Trucks a tremendous hand as he comes out of the dugout to be the first batter for the Tigers. Hank Wise on the mound, completes his warm-up pitches. Wise is a very interesting person as far as baseball is concerned. He's one of nine farm kids born down in Arkansas. When he was a kid, he set up a target in the backyard and threw things at it, baseballs when he could get them, all day long. Then he went into American Legion baseball, and here he is pitching in the World Series. Gets ready to pitch to Trucks, a right-handed batter. Trucks swings on the first one, hits it on the ground, down towards second. It's fielded by Don Johnson, and Trucks is thrown out. It's a fairly easy play. One quickly out for Detroit in the last of the third inning, and now the top of the Detroit batting order comes up. In the first batting around, Detroit got one hit off Hank Wise. In the first batting around, the Cubs got two hits off of Verge Trucks. Here's Skeeter Webb standing up there, batting right-handed. Wise pitches him. It's good. Fast one. Inside corner. Just above the knees. Wise taking lots of time. Bends way over in that wind-up of his. Comes down overhand. It's swung on by Webb. There's a high fly ball out into right field. Nicholson is going for it. He's under it now, and he takes it for the out. You could see the sun glancing off of his sunglasses out there in right field. So that's all for Mr. Webb. Fly to right and two out now for Detroit in the last of the third. Here comes Eddie Mayo. 
We spoke about Mayo and sunglasses when he was up there the last time. He's working on the invention of a new type of sunglass for infielders. Trying it out himself and loaned the pair he's working with now to Don Johnson out there at second for the Cubs. Mayo, that's left-handed, as you know. He flied to left his first time up. Takes a pitch that's good, just above the knees, a fastball by Wise. Mayo stands with that right foot in front of his left considerably. Swings on that one, hits it on the ground down to Don Johnson at second. Johnson has it and throws him out by three strides. So that's all for Mayo in the last of the third inning. The Tigers go down in order again. And the score at the end of three, four innings of play is nothing to nothing. A fly ball out into right field. Nicholson is going for it. He's under it now and he takes it for the out. You could see the sun glancing off of his sunglasses out there in right field. So that's all for Mr. Webb. Fly to right and two out now for Detroit in the last of the third. Here comes Eddie Mayo. We spoke about Mayo and sunglasses when he was up there the last time. He's working on the invention of a new type of sunglass for infielders. Trying it out himself and loaned the pair he's working with now to Don Johnson out there at second for the Cubs. Mayo, that's left-handed, as you know. He flied to left his first time up. Takes a pitch that's good, just above the knees, a fastball by Wise. Mayo stands with that right foot in front of his left considerably. Swings on that one, hits it on the ground down to Don Johnson the second. Johnson has it and throws him out by three strides. So that's all for Mayo in the last of the third inning. The Tigers go down in order again. And the score at the end of three, four innings of play is nothing to nothing. Let's take a look at the box score there. No runs for Chicago. Three hits, they've had two base runners left on. No runs for Detroit. One hit, they've had two base runners left on. And neither side has committed an error. Now, while we're getting ready for inning number four in this very thrilling and very tense struggle here at Briggs Stadium in Detroit, I think we ought to pause ten seconds for station identification. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. This is WGN Chicago, serving the Middle West. And now Virgil Trucks on the mound is lazily throwing in a few warm-up pitches as we get ready for inning number four. And uh, just sit there, folks, just as quietly as possible. This is one of those ball games that's going to blow up. Nothing to nothing is the score. A pitcher's battle up to this point. Sharp fielding on the part of both clubs. Incidentally, talk going around about a telephone strike. Well, according to a story carried by one of the major wire services, Mrs. Frances Smith, the president of the National Federation of Telephone Workers, the Michigan unit, announced today that radio broadcasts and newspaper teletypes will not be disrupted. The World Series broadcast will not be interrupted from Briggs Stadium, which I imagine could be classed as good news. Now here is inning number four, and the first batter for Chicago is Peanuts Lowry. Trucks pitches him a fast call strike. Ooh, that ball was fast. Lowry, who got a hit to left, you know in the first inning, the one on which Hack tried to score in vain. Takes the next pitch high. That's ball one. This guy Lowry, who was an MP in the Army last year, was originally signed by Los Angeles, they tell me, for one dollar. He's plenty worth it. That pitch is outside to Lowry, who watched it carefully all the way. Ball two. Two balls, one strike. Trucks ready. Winds up, kicks that left foot, delivers. Lowry fouls it off. It goes up into the press box. 
outside. Landed right in the hand of a rider up there. Looked like Uncle Billy Corum. Gee whiz, is the gentleman from Boonville a ball player, too? It was Corum. We're very proud of Billy. Give him a letter, man. Two balls, two strikes on Lowry. Chucks with a new ball now. Is ready to go. Lowry swings on it. There's a ground ball down to shortstop. Skeeter Webb has it. The throw is in lots of time, although Lowry gave it quite a rundown. Lowry is out 6-3. to three. The next batter for Chicago is Phil Cavaretta. He was retired by Rudy York, unassisted his first time up. Yesterday, Cavaretta, however, went three for four, and one of them was a homer. Pitch to him is just a little too low. Paul Richards held the ball without moving, as if to say to the plate umpire Lou Jordan, look good to me, Mr. Jordan. One and oh, the count on Cavaretta, the Chicago star. Cavaretta takes, that one's outside, ball two. Cavaretta's wife is here, very nice looking uh, woman. She picks the Cubs in four straight. What would you expect? Trucks works, Cavaretta swings, fouls it off, falls to both knees. He really was swinging pretty lustily on that one. He had visions of fur places as the destination of that ball if he had really hit it. But he just fouled it off. Two balls, one strike now on Phil. He played in right field against the Yankees in the series of 38. There's a fast ball strike. Oh, that ball was fast. You could just see a whiz of white from that mound down to the catcher. I wouldn't want to be Paul Richards' left hand. Sure, he's got that big mitt, but it's not big enough to hold steam like that. Two balls, two strikes now on Cabaretta. Oh, now Phil has to do a circus jackknife stunt practically to get away from an inside pitch. That makes a full count. Three balls, two strikes. Now Trucks with the three and two situation on his hand with one out in the top of the fourth and no score in the ball game. Takes lots of time. Here it comes. Cabaretta swings on it. Groups it out past second base and it falls in center field out there for a hit. Doc Kramer comes in and feels it and Cabaretta is trying for second. He slides and he's big. Ah, that's alert base running. That was just a blooper. A short single out in center field. And Kramer sort of slowed up a little bit coming in on it. I think maybe he thought Cullenbein was going to get it. And Cabaretta, alert with a wide turn at first, saw that it was going to be fiddled around with a little bit or they wouldn't come up to it. And he tried for second and he gets credit for a double. So Cabaretta is at second. That was just pure alertness on his part. One out and here is Andy Pafko, the Wisconsin kid. That's right-handed. Swings on that one. There's a ground ball down to Webb at shortstop. Skeeter has it. Throws to first. Papko is out, and Cavaretta stays at second. Now here's bad Bill Nicholson. Coming up there. Sticky jaw out at trucks. Nicholson is the most menacing-looking batter in the business. Notice that, Ed? Look at that jaw stick out there. Nicholson's 30 years old. Hails from Chestertown, Maryland. He started in with the A's a long time back. Graduated from Washington College in Maryland. That's big Bill Nicholson up there batting left-handed. Now Trucks looks at second where Cabaret is. Pitches. Nicholson leans away from an inside pitch. Ball one. Nicholson a year ago 
led the National League in home runs and I believe in runs batted in. But this year he's average left off. So far in the series he's done all right. It's been two for five up to this moment. One of them a triple. Swings on that one, slaps it out to center field. There it goes for a hit. Caparetta is rounding third. He's coming on in. Kramer bobbles the ball a little in center field, but the throw to second holds Nicholson at first, and Chicago scores. So it's one to nothing now in favor of the Cubs. They come through here on a double and a single. Score a run with two out in the top of the fourth inning. Now the batter is Paul Gillespie, the gentleman from Cartersville, Georgia, who hits left-handed. Takes a fast call strike on the inside corner. If it hadn't been for Rudy York, Gillespie might not be in baseball. Gillespie left Cartersville when he was a kid, but an uncle of his who stayed there, who knew York, who lives there, got Gillespie interested. Gillespie swings on one, and does he miss it? Two strikes. That run batted in for Nicholson a moment ago, incidentally, is his fourth run batted in in the series. Two strikes is a count on Gillespie. Trucks works, slow. Ball one. Gillespie is a discharge from the Coast Guard. And when they played the Coast Guard song before the ball game here, he stood up and made as if he were still marching in the Coast Guard. Gillespie swings on one. There's a fly ball going into center field. Here comes Doc Kramer in. He'll have to hurry, but he's in. He's under it, and he's got it for the out. Gillespie is out on a fly to center field. Top of the fourth inning, one run for Chicago to put them ahead. On two hits, the base runner left on. There were no Detroit errors. The score is Chicago 1, Detroit nothing. When the Senators made 10 twin killings against the Giants and won the World Series four games to three back in 1924, they hung up the all-time record for double plays. Yes, sir. And when Gillette Chemists perfected Gillette Brushless, they hung up the double play record of the Shaving League. Now, here's what I mean by that. Gillette Brushless is double acting. One, it removes moisture-resisting oil from your beard almost instantly. Two, it blankets a barrel of water against your face, soaking your whiskers thoroughly. Men, Gillette Brushless takes the starch out of whiskers in no time. It speeds shaving to beat the band, and it gives you extra comfort to boot. Gillette Brushless is grease-free. It can't clog your razor and wash bowl drain. So for a double play in shaving enjoyment, get hep to Gillette Brushless, just a quarter. If your dealer doesn't have Gillette Brushless today, well, he soon will, for both production and distribution are increasing steadily. Now, here's the last half of the fourth inning. And the Chicago Cub ace right-hander, Hank Wise, goes out there to the mound. He has a one-run lead. The Cubs gather to run in the top of the fourth inning. And the Tigers will be snarling and attempting to come back here in the last half of the fourth. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. First batter up there is Doc Kramer. Kramer has been up four times in the series. He hasn't hit yet. You might say he's due. That's left-handed. Pitch to him is a good one on the inside corner by Wise. Wise is a very wise cookie. Smart pitcher. Kramer, a good hitter. Swings away at one, slaps it out into left field. Papko is chasing it to his right. He'll have to make a sharp play on that, and Papko does, but it's a single for Mr. Kramer. So Doc comes through. Slapped it into left center field for a clean hit. That's a typical Kramer type of hit. He doesn't usually hit a long ball. But he crashed through a single then, and that's hit number two off Hank Wise. And there's the tying run down at first now with nobody out in the last of the fourth. And the Detroit stands roar, as you can hear in the background. And this game is catching fire. And here is Hank Greenberg at the plate. 
the greatest of all the Tiger Sluggers, Big Captain Hank. Wise pitches him. It's good. A fast call strike. Just below the waist on the outside corner. Now Wise has got his work cut out for him. Don't think he hasn't. Greenberg is ready. Wise delivers. Greenberg swings on it. There's a ground ball going down to third. Hack has it. The play is going to be at first. Greenberg is out. And Kramer moves down to second. Greenberg is out five to three. Hack to Cabaretta. One away, and here's Roy Cullenbein. Cullenbein was walked his first time up. He's another of the slugger type. With a lot of baseball experience. He was with Detroit back in 38 and 39. Then he took quite a grand tour before coming back here this year from the Cleveland Indians. That's Roy Cullenbein with that wide stance. Big, burly, threatening. Takes a low delivery from Wise for ball one. One and oh, the count. Kramer with the potential tying run at second goes back and kicks the bag. Now he leads off. Cullenbein wants to bring him in. Cullenbein takes. It's inside. That's ball two on Roy. Cullenbein, when he was a kid, was quite an athlete in the Detroit high schools here. 2 and all the count on Cullenbein. Wise works. It's a strike just above the knees. Very close decision. A little resentment probably kicked up into our crowd, Mike, from some of the fans. Two balls, one strike. Cullenbein backs out of the batter's box. Takes a little time. They play Cullenbein to slug that thing deep to right field. Bad Bill Nicholson is almost back there on the skin surface of the outfield. Back near the stands. Half goes fairly deep in center, and Cullenbein is back in the batter's box. Takes an outside delivery now for ball three, and the count on Cullenbein is three and one. Wise walked Cullenbein the first time he, Roy was up there. The only walk that Wise has given up. Will he do it again with York on deck? And only one out. And the tying run at second. Let's see. Here's the pitch. Cullenbein takes it low, and it is ball four again on Cullenbein. And he trots off to first. Now here comes Rudy York. Wise struck out Rudy the first time for the only strikeout that Wise has hung up. And Rudy, a great favorite here in Detroit. Tall, dark-haired, thick through the chest, steps up there. He is the perfect slugger type of baseball player. Bats right-handed. The delivery to him is low for a ball. And here's the first dramatic high point in this ball game. The Cubs went ahead in the top of the fourth. We're in the last of the fourth now. With just one out, runners at first and second, and York up. Wise delivers outside. Paul Gillespie has to get down to his knees and lunge to the right to hold it up. 2-0, the count on York. Outfield is pulled about uh, halfway up. Now they drop back again. I mean the infield, rather. The outfield is pulling, is playing York to pull to left. There's a big hole between the center and right fielder. Lowry is very deep and left. York takes. It's a strike. A fast pitch by Wise. Just about chest high. Nipped the outside corner. Here it comes. York swings on it. There's a fly ball going into center field. Papko scarcely has to move. He takes it, and the runners retreat to first and second. Papko scarcely had to move on that one. They were playing York exactly right. That makes it two out. Up comes Jimmy Outlaw, the third baseman. Little Jimmy got the only hit off of Wise up to this inning when Kramer teed off for one. 
Taylor. Now Stan Hack from third, the veteran, and Roy Hughes, the shortstop. Trot over halfway to the mound and say something to Wise. Wise comes back to the mound and starts kicking the slab around a little. Now he gets ready with two out and two on to pitch to Outlaw, a right-handed batter. Swung on, lashed back to second base. It's fielded there. The play at second forces Cullen Bynes sliding in and retires aside. So Cullen Bynes is forced at second, and the scoring on that is four to six. The second baseman Johnson to Roy Hughes, the shortstop who covered. So the potential Tiger uh, rally is snuffed out. In the last half of the fourth inning, no runs for Detroit. One hit, two base runners left on, and there were no Cub errors. Incidentally, there have been no errors so far in the whole series. And the score at the end of four full innings of play now is Chicago 1, Detroit nothing. You know, every Friday night, the year round, Gillette's Cavalcade of Sports is on the air with the major boxing match of the week. Enjoy the fun that blow-by-blow direct reports from the ringside always bring you. Tune in Gillette's Cavalcade of Sports Friday nights. You can consult your daily newspaper for local time and station. All right, it's the top of the fifth inning. And Virgil Trucks, the former gob in Uncle Sam's Navy, goes out to the mound. And Trucks has pitched a whale of a ball game up to this point. And there's Paul Richards, the fellow from Waxahachie, Texas. I think that's the way they pronounce it, although I believe maybe down there there's a special pronunciation. It looks like Waxahachie to me. And he looks like a Texan, does Mr. Richards. Tall, dark-haired, broad-shouldered, and good-looking. Now here's Roy Hughes, a Californian, to be the first batter for Chicago in the top of the fifth inning. Whispering Roy, they call him. Trucks delivers. Whispering Roy slaps it right back to the mound. Trucks knocks it down, picks it up, and throws it over to York. And that was a gutsy play on the part of Mr. Trucks. That ball was hit very hard. But the former Navy man just slapped it down with that gloved hand, picked it up, and threw it over to York. That fellow's got stuff. Hughes is out one to three. One away for Chicago now in the top of the fifth. And Hank Wise is due to hit, but here he comes now from the dugout. A little slow getting out there. He was helped to get his bat over there by young Jimmy, the Chicago boy, who's the bat boy. There are a couple of nice bat boys here. A little 14-year-old boy named Gilbert Hoy has sandy hair, goes to McKenzie High School as the bat boy for the Tigers. I like bat boys. They're good kids. All right, here's Hank Wise with a big 33 on his back, stepping up there. Swings and misses. Strike one. He was really swinging. Truck struck him out first time, but Wise was up there. Wise swings and misses again. Trucks just rears back, fires it in there. Wise swings away, misses it. Here it comes. Wise swings, foul tips that one. When I was a kid playing sandlot baseball, and you swung that way, while the kids all yelled, yay, swinging like a barn door. Well, that's about the way Wise was swinging. Two strikes on him. One out and the bunny on top of the fifth. Rice swings on that one, hits it on the ground, down across the grass to Skeeter Webb. Webb has it, throw to York is in time by five strides, and Wise is out. Six to three. Two out in the top of the fifth. And now here's Stanley Camfield Hack, who in this series has had three hits out of seven times up, and all of them have been uh, infield hits. So Stanley Camfield is not uh, worrying about that. He wants hits. Pitch to him is swung on. It's hit on the ground to the right of of Mayo, and Mayo cannot make a stop on it. And here is Hack heading for second, and here comes Kramer's throw, and it's going to be close. Hack slides, he's safe at second. That was a very hard hit ball. Eddie Mayo dashed swiftly to his right, tried to make a play on it, bounced off of his glove, rolled, slowed down out into center field, and it goes as a two-base hit for Hack. And Hack is hot. 
That's two singles and a double for Stanley Camfield. Hack so far in this ball game. So he's at second. Two are out, and here is Don Johnson. This is Johnson's third appearance at the plate, sacrificed in the first inning, struck out in the third. Right-handed batter is Don. Virgil Truck stretches, watches Hackett second, pitches, and it's good. That was a fast number. Billy Coram told you how this Trucks could throw that ball in there. First time I've seen him in a long while, he has terrific speed. Two out, Hackett second. One to nothing to score, Chicago in front, top of the fifth. Ball is swung on, hit on the ground to the left of Mayo. Mayo feels it, the throw to York is in time. Johnson is out and the side is retired. In the top of the fifth inning, no runs, one hit, one base runner left on for Chicago. No errors by Detroit. The score is Chicago 1, Detroit nothing. Now the last half of the fifth inning, and it's my pleasure to bring in for the play-by-play description of the remainder of this second game of the 45 series, my colleague, Big Al Helfer. Al, keep that smile and come on in, brother. Well, thanks, Bill, very much. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. And as Bill has been telling you, we have a whale of a ball game going here at Briggs Stadium in Detroit. The first man up for Detroit in the last half of the fifth inning is Paul Richards, their catcher, hitting right-handed and standing deep at the plate. Wise kicks and throws the first pitch, and Richards hits it out into left center field. Going over is center fielder Andy Popko to his right, and he's got it for the out. So Richards hit the first pitch, a fly ball into left center field. That's one out in the last of the fifth inning. That brings up Virgil Fire Trucks. Trucks so far in this ball game has given up just six hits to the Chicago Cubs, and they've scored one run on him. As Bill told you, he's a great favorite here at the big stadium in Detroit. Very solidly put together, young fella. Hits right-handed. Wise curves the first one in there, and it's a slider off outside for ball one. One ball, no strikes. It's a count on Virgil Trucks. Wise pumps, twists, throws a fast curve that's looped down toward second base. Coming in for it very quickly is Don Johnson. He grabs it for the out. That's all for Trucks. A little blooper down a second. Two outs in the last half of the fifth inning. And the batter coming up is Skeeter Webb. Jimmy has been up twice in this game. He came up in the first inning, fly ball to left field. Came up in the third and flied out to Bill Nicholson in right. So he has one hit for six tries in this 1945 World Series. Wise makes his first delivery and Webb promptly slaps it right over second into left center field for a base hit. So it's a single for Webb, very solidly spiked. That is hit number three off-wise. That's hit number nine in the game. The batter coming up there now is Eddie Merrill, the second baseman. Merrill's been up twice today, and he's had no base hits. However, he got two for four yesterday, so now he's riding at two for six. Left-handed hitter standing very deep at the plate and sort of crowding it from behind. He takes the first pitch from Wise, and it's just under his knees low for ball one. One ball, no strikes. Last half of inning number five. Two out for Detroit. Skeeter Webb just singled into left center field. Oh, he's on at first base. Wise checks him back there. Now delivers the plate, and it's taken under the knees again by Eddie Mayo for ball two. Two balls, no strikes. Webb takes a short but modest lead off first base. Wise 
hiding that ball behind his back, takes Gillespie's sign, now delivers the plate, and it's a fast curve outside for ball three. Three balls, no strikes. So again, Detroit has a potential tying run on base. Wise throws, a fast curve that's on the inside, below the knees for ball four. That's the third base on balls given up by Wise. That moves Webb down to second. And Detroit now has runners at first and second with two outs in the last half of the fifth inning. The batter is Duck Kramer. Kramer went over three yesterday. He has one for two today, a single to left center in the fourth inning. It's left-handed. Swings on the first pitch, and there's a clean base hit to left field. In comes Webb around third, and he's coming in to tie up the ball game. Half of the fifth inning, the ball game becomes tied at 1-0. As Doc Kramer slots a clean base hit into left field and moves Mayo around to third and scores Webb from second base. That was hit number four off Wise and one run number one. And here's Hank Greenberg with runners at first and third. Two outs. Wise delivers to the plate, and Greenberg takes a fast curve in there for a strike. Kramer. With his run-producing single is on at first base. That's the first run batted in. Detroit has had in this series. It's all locked up. It's a brand new ball game here at Briggs Stadium. Detroit won and Chicago won. And Detroit is still threatening. Wise taking his good old time about pitching to this big right-hand hitter. Throws a curve and it snaps off outside for ball one. One ball, one strike on right-hand hitting Hank Greenberg. Greenberg has gone 0 for 2 here this afternoon. A fly ball to center field in the second. He was thrown out by Stan Hack in the fourth inning. Wise throws a fast curve and Greenberg stops it out into left field. It may drop in there for a base hit. It is a home run for Hank Greenberg. stands 400 feet away from home plate for a three-run home run and the Tigers now lead four to one and the batter up there now is Cullen Bine. twice he's been walked and Wise with the shoulders drooping slightly now makes the first pitch and it's low for ball one very rapidly now it's Detroit four and Chicago one Wise throws a fast one in there that is hit on the ground down to Cabaret at first base Phil picks it up and beats Cullen Bine to first for the third out the fifth inning For Detroit here in the last half of the fifth inning, a total of four runs on one, two, three hits. One of them, Hank Greenberg's home run. Nobody left, and there were no errors. Well, before we have the top half of the sixth inning with the Detroit Tigers leading now four to one, might be a very good idea to pause ten seconds for station identification. Remember, men, look sharp. 
feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. This is WGN Chicago, serving the Middle West. For the Detroit Tigers here in this second game of the World Series at Briggs Stadium in Detroit, the complexion of the ball game has completely changed. And with Detroit scoring a four runs in the last half of inning number five, on a tremendous home run by Captain Hank Greenberg, hit into the left field stands, the Detroit Tigers and Virgil Trucks have a new lease on life as far as this baseball game is concerned. And in the top half of inning number six, the first batter up for Chicago will be Harry Lowry, the left fielder. Peanuts got a single back in the first inning to left field, and he was thrown out by Skeeter Webb in the fourth. So he has one hit and two drives. He's a little right-handed hitter. Big Virgil Trucks gets ready and throws a very fast curve in off the point of the shoulder. That's ball one. One ball, no strikes. There's a count on Peanuts Lowry. The outfield fans around slightly to left. To Lowry. Trucks comes down with his next offering, and Lowry fouls on it. So it's one and one, one ball, one strike. He was swinging at a high inside curve that time and drilled it right back onto the screen. Trucks gets a new ball from plate umpire Jordan. Rubs it briefly and steps right up to the rubber. Down comes his next pitch. There's a ball hit out into right field. Roy Cullenbein legging over near the line. The Tiger right fielder's under it, and he's got it for the out. That's all for Lowry. One away for the Cubs in the top half of inning number six. The score standing right now, Detroit four, and the Chicago Cubs one. Phil Cabaretta had himself quite a day yesterday, and he's really been going along today. And as Bill told you in the fourth inning, very alert base running on Phil's part got him a double. Hit in the center field. That's the one hit and two times up. Trucks throws a medium-speed curveball to this left-handed hitter, and the result is a fly ball into center field. Doc Kramer's coming in in a big hurry, and he's got it for the out. That's all for Cabaretta, a fly ball to Doc Kramer in center. So there are two very quickly out here in the top of the sixth inning for Chicago. The batter now is Andy Pafko, the right-handed hitting center fielder who stands very deep at the plate, a wide spread eagle stance. He this afternoon has gone over 2. He popped up to the second baseman, Mayo, in the second, thrown out by Skeeter Webb in the fourth. A fast curve, a swung on and missed. Or strike one. No balls, one strike. That's the count on Andy Pafko. Outfield fans around again to left to this right-handed hitter. Trucks delivers. Change of pace curveball. It's outside for ball one. One and one is a count on Pafco. Two out for Chicago in the top half of inning number six. Score Detroit four and Chicago one. Trucks pumps, throws a fastball. It's just under the knees. That's ball two. Two balls, one strike. Quite a bit of tension now on the Chicago side of the fence. Trucks delivers again. Pafco hops back out of the way of an inside curve at his knees. That runs his count up now to three balls, one strike. Pafco in yesterday's ball game had three hits in four tries, so he started today hitting at 750. Trucks tries a curve on him this time, and the result is a little looping fly ball going back at second base. Eddie Mayo scoots back and takes it for the out. That's all for Pafko. 
That's all for the Cubs here in the top of the sixth inning. There's nothing across. No runs, no hits, no errors, and nobody left. So at the end of five and a half innings of play, the score, Detroit four and Chicago one. To the New York Yankees belongs the distinction of having won and lost more World Series games than any other team. Yes, and here's another for the book. Gillette Lather Shaving Cream produces up to four times as much lather as other brands priced the same. Money-wise, that's the difference between two bits and a buck, which isn't hay. Until recently, our entire production of Gillette Shaving Cream went to the armed forces. Day by day, however, more dealers are receiving more Gillette Shaving Cream. And what a fast-acting, thoroughgoing beard softener Gillette Lather really is. It holds a barrel of water as a sponge does and releases it freely, soaking and softening whiskers in jig time for quicker, easier shaving. You get cleaner, smoother, longer-lasting shaves. Yes, your face looks better and feels better when you use Gillette Lather Shaving Cream at a quarter. Now the last half of inning number six. Rudy York will be the first batter for Detroit. Rudy has gone 0 for 2. He struck out in the second inning and set a fly ball to center field in the fourth. Big right-handed hitter standing deep at the plate. Wise tries a curveball on him that's just under the knees low for ball one. Going into the last half of inning number six, the Tigers lead the Cubs 4-1. to one. Wise right hands this next one in there, and York swings on it. There's a towering high fly ball into deep center field. Papco goes way back, way back, and up against the stands makes a spectacular catch of a long drive. Well, Rudy York really hit that one. But Andy Pafko backed up against the 400-foot sign in very deep center field and took it for the out. Now the batter is Jimmy Outlaw. Outlaw singled to left field back in the second inning. In the fourth inning, Outlaw forced out Cullenbein at second for the third out in the frame. Now he's up for his third official at-bat. Wise pumps, twists, throws a fast curve in there to Outlaw, and it's on the inside, down to the knees for ball one. This has been quite a good ball game up to this point. Wise delivers now, and Outlaw sort of leans back from a high inside curve and takes it right off the peak of the cap for ball two. Two and nothing. Two balls, no strikes. That's a count on Jimmy Outlaw. Little right-handed hitter standing deep at the plate. Wise throws a fast curve in there just off the belt buckle, and it picks up the inside corner for a called strike. Three and one on Outlaw. One out, last half of the sixth, no base runners, and the score, Detroit four, and Chicago one. Wise throws a fast curve in there, but Outlaw laces down to Stanley Hackett third. Hacks up with it nicely. His throw is over to first base in plenty of time, and that's all for Outlaw. Going out from third to first, five to three. It's two outs now for Detroit in the last half of the sixth inning. That brings up Paul Richards. Paul's 0 for 2 in this game. He's 0 for 5 for his work at the plate in the series. Tall right-hand hitter. Takes a look at the first pitch, and it's a curve nicely in for a strike. No balls, one strike. Wise, six-foot right-hander. Starts that low, sweeping, pumping motion of his. Kicks high now, delivers a fastball that Richard swings on, and there's a high pop-up back of second base. 
John Johnson goes back. He's under it. Now and takes it for the out. So that's all in the sixth inning for Detroit. And they go down in order. No runs, no hits, nobody left, and there were no At the end of six full innings of play here at Briggs Stadium in Detroit, the score stands Detroit, four, and Chicago, one. And the box totals for six innings of play. Detroit, four runs, five hits off-wise, and Detroit has committed no errors. While for the Chicago Cubs, one run, six hits off fire trucks, and they've committed no errors. We're going into the top now of the seventh inning. The first man up for Chicago is going to be Bill Nicholson, the right fielder. He'll be followed by Paul Gillespie, the catcher. And then will come the shortstop, Roy Hughes. And Trucks goes back out to the mound to do a little working against the Cubs here in the top of the seventh inning. I think my very good friend Bill told you in the beginning of the ball game that Trucks has just been out of the Navy almost a week. And that's true, and he was very instrumental in pitching down at the Mound City the last time that the Detroit Tigers faced the St. Louis Browns, and that was last Sunday. And in the first ball game, he pitched five innings. And in pitching five innings down there, he gave up three hits, passed two men, and struck out three. He, of course, was not the winning pitcher, but his contribution to the Detroit Tiger cause that day is something that uh, will long be remembered. Now Trucks is ready to throw to Nicholson. Big Bill swings on the first pitch and foul tips it. Bill stands very deep in batter's box. Leans over very belligerently. Sort of levels that bat out as he swings back and forth. Now Trucks comes down with the next delivery, and it's a fast curve on the outside. That's ball one. One and one to left-handed hitting Bill Nicholson. The outfield doesn't fan around as much to right on Nicholson as they used to. Cullenbine is playing almost in straightaway right field. He swings on the next pitch to Nicholson. There's a grounder going down to Mayo at second. Eddie grabs it, fires it over to Rudy York in plenty of time, and that's all for Nicholson. Going out four to three or second to first. One away in the top of the seventh inning. The batter now is Paul Gillespie. Back in the second inning, Gillespie came up and popped up to Eddie Mayo at second. And in the fourth inning, it was a fly ball to center field. Doc Kramer made a nice run and a nice catch on. Gillespie hits left-handed also. He swings on the first pitch and doesn't get it. Trucks had a fine curve in there just under the belt buckle. So the count is strike one. No balls, one strike on Gillespie. Hughes hanging around in the batter circle to hit next. Trucks pumps, serves the pitch, and it's a nice curve. It comes in and over for a called strike. That was the sharpest curve Trucks has thrown all afternoon. He's been fast in spots, and as the boys in the trade say, sneaky fast in other spots. He throws a very fast one this time that's under the knees of Nicholson Lowe. It's one ball, two strikes. Nicholson waves that bat back and forth belligerently. Father Gillespie, you can call him Nicholson. He swings on the next pitch, and there's a high foul ball up back of third. Outlaw goes over near the field seats, and he can't get it. It slides off into the field seats. And the count remains the same on Gillespie of one ball and two strikes. Paul's left foot is almost out of batter's box, and he crowds that plate slightly from behind. His stance is straight away toward the pitcher, and his legs are widespread apart. 
swings on this next pitch and lifts a fly ball out into left field. Hank Greenberg goes over two strides and takes it for the out. That's all for Gillespie. That's two outs in the top of the seventh inning for Chicago. Roy Hughes is coming to the plate now. He's gone 0 for 5 in the series. He went 0 for 3 yesterday, and in two times up today, he's failed to hit. In the third inning, he was thrown out by Eddie Mayo, the second baseman. And in the fifth inning, he tagged one back to the mound that Virgil Trucks knocked down and threw him out. Trucks delivers now, and there's a high curve off the point of the shoulder. The ball one. Shortstop Hughes stands very deep at the plate. Keeps his feet rather close together. And just before the pitcher delivers, he bends over slightly from the waist. Now Trucks throws to the plate. There's a curveball on the outside for ball two. Two balls, no strikes. Jordan asks for that ball. Richards gives it up. Jordan takes a look at it and throws it out of play. Trucks, with the aid of a little rosin, starts getting this new apple ready. We're in the top of the seventh inning. The score stands Detroit four and Chicago one. Now Trucks pitches, and at the plate, Hughes takes, and it's a high curve right off the point of the chin for ball three. Three and nothing. Two away in the top of the seventh. No base runners. Trucks tries another curve, and this one's on the inside for ball four. So Hughes draws the base on balls, and that's the very first one given up by Trucks here this afternoon. So with two away, Roy Hughes becomes a base runner for Chicago. And Henry Wise is scheduled to be the hitter, but I don't think it's going to be Wise. I think we're going to have a pinch hitter for Henry. Man coming up to the plate is Frank Sicori, an outfielder. Frank Sicori, a right-hand hitter, and he's a pretty good size fella, is going to bat for Hank Wise. You spell his name S-E-C-O-R-Y. Frank Sicori, batting in the seventh inning for Hank Wise. Frank Sicori from Mason City, Iowa, now makes his home in Port Huron, Michigan. Eddie Mayo, the second baseman. And in the fifth inning, he tagged one back to the mound as Virgil Trucks knocked down and threw him out. Trucks delivers now, and there's a high curve off the point of the shoulder. The ball one. Shortstop Hughes stands very deep at the plate. Keeps his feet rather close together. And just before the pitcher delivers, he bends over slightly from the waist. Now Trucks throws to the plate. There's a curveball on the outside for ball two. Two balls, no strikes. Jordan asks for that ball. Richards gives it up. Jordan takes a look at it and throws it out of play. Trucks, with the aid of a little rosin, starts getting this new apple ready. We're in the top of the seventh inning. The score stands Detroit four and Chicago one. Now Trucks pitches, and at the plate, Hughes takes, and it's a high curve right off the point of the chin for ball three. Three and nothing. Two away in the top of the seventh. No base runners. Trucks tries another curve, and this one's on the inside for ball four. So Hughes draws the base on balls, and that's the very first one given up by Trucks here this afternoon. So with two away, Roy Hughes becomes a base runner for Chicago. And Henry Wise is scheduled to be the hitter, but I don't think it's going to be Wise. I think we're going to have a pinch hitter for Henry. Man coming up to the plate is Frank Sicori, an outfielder. 
Frank Sicori, a right-hand hitter, and he's a pretty good-sized fella, is going to bat for Hank Wise. You spell his name S-E-C-O-R-Y. Frank Sicori batting in the seventh inning for Hank Wise. Frank Sicori from Mason City, Iowa, now makes his home in Port Huron, Michigan. 6-1 and 200 pounds, and he's hitting right-handed. The first pitch to him is outside for ball one. Trucks comes back, and there's a solid spike hit out into left field. Hank Greenberg goes over near the line and nails the line drive for the out. And that's all for Sicori. A fly ball to Hank Greenberg in left field. No runs. No hits. One man left, and there were no errors in the top of the seventh inning. And the score is Detroit 4 and Chicago 1. But George Snuffy Sternweiss, second sacker for the New York Yankees, led the American League in five departments this year. Batting, total runs, triples, total bases, rather total hits and stolen bases. Well, that shows what a clean-hitting speed merchant can do with a Louisville slugger. Now, Snuffy, tell the fans what you use when you go to bat against tough whiskers. Okay, Al, and hello, folks. I've been a Gillette fan from way back, so I use the Gillette razor and Gillette blue blade. In my book... That's the greatest combination there is for quick, easy shaving. How do the rest of the Yankees feel about that, Snuffy? How could they feel any different? You just can't beat that Gillette razor and Gillette blue blade. Thanks, George. I know the fans were glad to hear from you. And remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette blue blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. Now for the last half of the seventh inning... We're to have a new pitcher for the Chicago Cubs, and it's going to be Paul Erickson. Erickson pitching for Chicago. We spell his name E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Erickson pitching in the last half of the seventh inning. He's a big fella, tall, blonde right-hander. Erickson is coming out to the mound now to throw a few warm-up pitches down. Erickson stands 6'2 and weighs 200 pounds. He was born in Zion, Illinois, and now makes his home in Chicago, Illinois. He's been quite a ball player for the Chicago Cubs, and he's been used quite a bit this year in relief roles. Erickson has been one of the mainstays of the pitching staff of Charlie Grimm, and he's coming in now in this ball game behind as the score is 4-1 to one in favor of Detroit. Erickson this year has won seven and lost four for a percentage of 636. The first man to come up to the plate in the last half of the seventh inning is going to be pitcher Virgil Trucks. Fire Trucks has really been firing himself that ball down here this afternoon. So Hank Wise is through in this game for Chicago after having pitched six innings of ball, giving up four runs and five hits, walking three and striking out one. Big Erickson delivers sidearm, and there's a fast curve under the knees of Trucks for ball one. Last half of inning number seven here at Briggs Stadium in Detroit. The Tigers today are out in front, four to one. Erickson throws another sidearm delivery, and Trucks swings on it viciously and fouls it back into the screen. That levels his count off at one and one. Trucks has been up to that plate today twice. He's gone over two. Gillespie hangs out the sign. Big tall Erickson kicks and throws another sidearm delivery, and again it's fouled off and back into the screen. Now Trucks has a count of one and two. One ball, two strikes.
Virgil hugging up on that plate a little bit more right now. Now Erickson throws, and Truck swings and misses for strike three. So in the seventh inning, the first man Erickson faces, he strikes out. That's just a second strikeout against Detroit this afternoon, as Wise had affected but one. He struck out Rudy York in the second inning, if you recall. But now to start the fourth batting around for Detroit, here is shortstop Skeeter Webb. He has one hit and three tries. It's right-handed and stands just off the plate. Erickson drills a sidearm curve in there that's just a little high for ball one. Erickson comes down again with his next pitch, and it's a curveball that snaps off outside for ball two. So Webb has gotten out in front, two balls, no strikes. Erickson's pretty rapid on the mound. He doesn't take too much time. He likes to get that sign and get himself set. He throws another sidearm delivery. It's a crossfire that picks up the outside corner for a called strike. Three and one. Correction, two and one. Two balls, one strike. Webb takes the next pitch, and it's a good one. Erickson came in just across the letters. Two and two. It's a count on Skeeter Webb. One out, last of the seven. Webb flails that bat back and forth. Now swings at this pitch. Fouls it back onto the screen. Other count rides right along at two balls, two strikes. The outfield plays up close. When Skeeter webs at bat, they don't figure him to hit a very long ball, and he doesn't. He's more of a punch hitter. Erickson shakes off Gillespie, his first signal. Now takes this one. Pitches, and Webb hits one out in front of the plate. The pitcher comes down off the mound, makes a hurried throw to first, not in time, and Skeeter Webb is on with a base hit. Skeeter Webb swung on a high inside curve and hit it right off the handle, dropped it right down in front of the plate. It had more momentum than at first we had anticipated, and it started to roll back toward the mound. Big Erickson came down off the mound and grabbed that ball, and he had to hurry his throw to Phil Cabaretta. But that guy Webb can run, and he was on by the time Cabaretta got the ball. Well, that's at number six for Detroit. The batter is Eddie Mayo. A high curve ball almost hits Mayo in the right shoulder, but he gets back in time to take ball one. And Paul Gillespie fired that ball back to the mound. It got away from Erickson. Roy Hughes, the shortstop, had to back up the play. Keeps Keeter Webb, who was very fleet of foot from going down and trying to take second base. There's one out for Detroit here in the last and seventh inning. Skeeter Webb is at first. That gives him two hits for four times today, incidentally. So for today's work, he's hitting at 500. There's a quick throw to first. Webb steps in easily ahead of it. Cabaretta whips that ball right back to Erickson. Now Smith, or er, uh, Mayo, waits at the plate. Swings on this pitch, and there's a looping fly ball going out into short left field. Coming in for it is Lowry, and it's Lowry finally who makes the catch. The shortstop Roy Hughes falls away and allows him to come on. Look for a moment as though the shortstop and the left fielder were going to run together there in short in the short left field. Now the batter is Doc Kramer. Kramer came up in the fifth inning and pounded himself a single in the left field. Hit in Webb, who was at that particular time on second. That tied up the ball game. Erickson tries a curve on Kramer, and it's low under his knees for ball one. Of course, you know what happened after Kramer had uh, done that. Moved Mayo around third. Hank Greenberg unloaded a home run. The score now stands Detroit four and Chicago one. Detroit trying to manufacture something here in the last half of the seventh inning. 
Erickson, Chicago's relief pitcher, delivers. There's a fast curve that zips over the inside corner. Doc Kramer for a called strike. One and one is a count on center fielder Kramer of Detroit. Two outs. We're in the last of the seventh inning, and Webb is on at first base for Detroit. Erickson checks him, throws to the plate, and Kramer takes. A low curve on the outside. That makes Kramer's count two balls, one strike. Erickson studies this next pitch, sets, serves it up, and it's a curveball high. It's ball three. Three and one. Mills coaching down behind first base. Or the Detroit Tigers keeps chattering to Skeeter Webb, who was on there. Got him right back that time. As Erickson flipped one over to Cavaretta. Now Webb takes his lead as the ball's returned to the mound. Delivered to the plate. is swung on viciously. Missed for a strike. Kramer went all the way down to his knees when he missed it. So it's a three and two count now on Doc Kramer. He's had two hits and three tries here this afternoon. A single to left center and a single to left. Came in the fourth and fifth innings. Erickson chucks this one in. Ball is hit right back through the middle and out in the center field for a base hit. Skeeter Webb running on the blow is coming around trying for third and makes it standing up. And Roy Hughes, the shortstop, got in Skeeter Webb's way on the base pass and Bill Summers immediately noticed it and gave third base to Skeeter Webb. Kramer hits back through the middle for his third hit this afternoon. Skeeter Webb moves into third base. And with two away here in the last of the seventh inning, Hank Greenberg once more is coming to the plate. Runners at first and third. Two away in the last of the seventh. And Erickson throws a high, fast outside curve that almost got away from Gillespie. Greenberg just watched it whistle by for ball one. This Erickson's pretty fast. He can whip that apple down the alley. Throws again, and Greenberg takes, and it's low for ball two. Skeeter Webb is right on there. Third base. First base is Doc Kramer. Greenberg has that bat parked high over his right shoulder. Erickson delivers sidearm. Greenberg takes low on the inside for ball three. Three balls, no strikes. Kramer isn't taking much of a lead off at first base. He's staying on there pretty close. Webb at third. Tries to be devil Erickson, the pitcher. He is chopping down off third. Here's the pitch to the plate. A curve high. And on the outside for ball four. Greenberg is walked to load the bases. Kramer moves on down to second. Greenberg takes first. And that's the first base on balls given up by Erickson. He's been tagged for a pair of hits here in the seventh inning. So he's got the bases loaded behind him. He's got his work etched out for him here in the last of the seventh inning. Here's Roy Cullenbein. Cullenbein hitting left-handed. Takes a curveball. It's low for ball one. The bases loaded last of the seventh for Detroit. Two outs. The score is four to one in favor of Detroit. They're threatening. Cullenbein swings on it. And there's a high fly ball going into deep right field. Bill Nicholson backs up under it and takes it for the out. And that's all for Detroit in the seventh inning as Cullenbine flies out with the bases loaded. Right field to Bill Nicholson. No runs for Detroit. Two hits. The bases were left loaded. 
and there were no Chicago errors. So at the end of seven full innings of play, the score stands at 4-1 to one in favor of the Detroit Tigers over the Chicago Cubs. Well, Bill Corum knows inside baseball as few reporters do. Here his analysis of today's game at the conclusion of our play-by-play -play report. Stay tuned for Bill Corum's highlights. Now, before we get into the top half of inning number eight here at Brick Stadium in Detroit, it might be a very good idea to pause 10 seconds for station identification. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. WGN Chicago, serving the Middle West. Now, as we get ready for the top half of the eighth inning, the box total is four runs, seven hits, no errors for Detroit. One run for Chicago on six hits off trucks, and they have committed no errors. So far, the series has been absolutely errorless. And now in the eighth inning to start the fourth batting around for Chicago is Stanley Hack, and he's gone three for three, two singles and a double. Trucks fires the first pitch in there, and it's a good curve for call strike one. Just above the knees of Stanley Hack, and on the outside corner, Stan hitting left-handed. He takes the next one. It's just under his knees this time for ball one. One ball, one strike. Richard stays down in his crouch, pumps the sign, trucks throws, and again the pitch is under the knees of Hack for ball two. Two balls, one strike. Hack got to hit the deep shortstop in the first inning. He got to hit the first base. Third and a double to center field. Back in the fifth inning. He steps up, takes the next pitch, and it's a curve that's outside for ball three. The count on Stanislaus is three and one. Trucks tries a fastball. It's zipped outside for ball four. So Hack has walked. That's the second base on balls given up by fire trucks. As a matter of fact, that will probably mean that Hack will have a perfect day here this afternoon. Because unless the complexion of this ball game completely changes, Hack has come up for his last time. And being walked here in the eighth inning, which does not count as an official time at bat, means that he has had three hits in three official tries. Don Johnson, the second baseman, who is 0 for 2, is standing in now, right-hand hitter. Trucks tries a curveball on him and moves it over the inside corner just above the knees for a call strike. No balls, one strike. Hack leads off at first. Trucks delivers the plate and swung on and missed. A strike two. Johnson spun all the way around when he didn't connect. Hack's taking a very slight lead at first base. Chicago can't afford to uh, bring uh, very loose on the bases. Trucks throws and there's a fast zipping curve that's over for called strike three. Johnson sadly puts his bat on his shoulder and walks out of there. That's the third strikeout for Trucks. That means since he came back from the service now, pitching in uh, the last game Detroit played in the American League and pitching here in the World Series today, he has struck out six men. Peanuts Lowry is coming up to the plate now, the Chicago left fielder. A little right-handed hitter takes a fast curve high for ball one. Lowry had a single back in the first inning, but he's been disposed of twice since that time, so he has one hit for three tries. 
Hack again takes his lead at first. This time Lowry swings, hits a clean one into left field for a base hit. Stan Hack goes down to second and holds on as Greenberg fields and whips that ball into shortstop Skeeter Webb. Lowry now has two hits for four tries, and that is hit number seven off trucks. That puts Hack in scoring position at second base. The batter now is Phil Cavaretta. Cavaretta's had a double to show for his work today. He got that double back in the fourth inning. Hit it to center field. He's a left-hand hitter and stands very deep at the plate, almost out of batter's box. Trucks checks his runners. Delivers to the plate, and Cavaretta takes a curve in for a strike. As far as Detroit is concerned right now, this is a pretty tense moment for Virgil Trucks. He's ahead in this ball game as Detroit leads 4-1, to one, but the Cubs here in the eighth inning are threatening. Trucks looks back at Pack at second base. Throws to the plate. There's a fastball swung on, hit down to Rudy York behind first. He lobs the ball over to Trucks, covering it first. The out is affected, and the runners move on one station. So Cabaretta is out 3-1, first baseman to the pitcher covering. Lowry moves down and takes his station at second base, and Hack moves over to third on the play. That's the second out in the top of the eighth inning. And Andy Pafko, who has been held hitless in three tries this afternoon, is the Chicago batter. He had three for four yesterday, though. The right-hand hitter holds that bat high. Swings on this pitch and drills it down to Skeeter Webb at short. Webb's up with it nicely. There's his throw to Rudy York. And it's in time for the out. That's all for Pafko. And incidentally, that's all for the Chicago Cubs here in the eighth inning. A threat, but no more. No runs on one hit. Two men left. And there were no Detroit errors. So the score at the end of seven and a half innings of play is Detroit four and Chicago one. George Sternweiss, American League betting champ, handed it out straight when he said that the Gillette Razor and Gillette Blue Blade are the perfect combination for smooth, easy shaves. Men, that's only half of it. For these two are made for each other, same factory, same skilled craftsmen, same high-precision standards. They fit exactly, work together perfectly, and outperform any other double-edged shaving combination you can name. So enjoy the quickest, easiest, best-looking shaves of your life. Use today's Gillette Blue Blade in your Gillette Razor. Avoid the discomfort of misfit blades and faulty shaving methods. Ask your dealer for Gillette Blue Blades. You should find them easier to obtain now. Remember, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever honed. For the last half of the eighth inning in the second game of the World Series here in Detroit... The first man up for the Tigers is going to be Rudy York. Rudy hasn't gotten a base hit in three tries today. He's hitting one for six for the series. The big right-hander looks at Erickson as Erickson delivers for Chicago, and it's a curve outside for ball one. York, very husky, very strong wrists and forearms. Erickson sights, serves, York swings, there's a grass cutter to short. Hughes comes up with it nicely, arches his throw to first, Cabaretta grabs it, York is out. So that's one out for the Tigers in the last half of the eighth inning. The batter now is little Jimmy Outlaw. He, in the second inning, got himself a single to left field. In the fourth inning, he forced out Cullen Bryan for the third out in that inning. And he became the second out of the sixth inning, being thrown out by Stan Hack from third base. Outlaw hitting right-handed. Chokes up slightly on the bat and takes the first pitch. In there for a strike. 
balls, one strike. Last half of inning number eight. One out, nobody on. Score, Detroit four, Chicago one. Outlaw swings viciously on the next one and doesn't get it. Erickson had a high fast one. Working in just off the point of the shoulders, and Outlaw went for it. No balls, one strike. No balls, two strikes. Erickson throws. Outlaw swings. There's a high foul ball up to the right of the plate. Gillespie comes over near the stands and grabs it for the out. That's all for Outlaw. That's two away now for the Tigers in the last half of the eighth inning. The batter now is Paul Richards. Richards is standing a little deeper at the plate this time than he did the last time up in the sixth inning. Of course, he's facing a new pitcher. Erickson, being every bit as fast as Hank Wise was, makes the first offering. There's a high curve swung on and missed for a strike. Lou Jordan, the National League umpire, who is working balls and strikes behind the plate, takes a minute's time to dust off the rubber of home plate. Erickson gets ready now, makes the 0-1 delivery. It's a sidearm curve that's hit right down to shortstop to Hughes, and he grabs a line drive for the out. So that's all for Richards, a line drive to the shortstop. So there's nothing across for Detroit in the eighth inning. No runs, no hits, nobody left, and there were no errors. So at the end of eight full innings of play, the score stands Detroit four and Chicago one. Well, I want you to hear a great sports reporter in action when this game ends. Stay tuned for Bill Corum and his dramatic, rapid-fire story of today's ball game. We're ready now for the top half of the ninth inning here at Brick Stadium in Detroit. And, of course, Detroit sincerely hopes that this is the last inning of the ball game, and that only one half of it will be played. In the ninth inning, the first man to come up for Chicago is Nicholson. Of course, he's got other ideas about the entire situation. He'll be followed by Gillespie if Gillespie's sent up there to hit, and then will come uh, Erickson, the pitcher. Of course, uh, Jolly Jolly Grimm may have entirely different ideas about who he's sending up to the plate here in the top of the ninth inning. The Detroit Tigers, who battled back magnificently this afternoon, are leading going into the top of the ninth inning by the score of 4-1. to one. And Steve O'Neill has pinned his hopes on the strong right arm of Virgil Trucks, the Alabamian who's just been released from the Navy pitched a sparkling ball game here this afternoon and he'd like to close up shop here in the top of the ninth inning. Now Nicholson has come up to the plate and is ready to step up. This afternoon Nicholson has had one hit and three tries. In the fourth inning he laced a single out into center field and hammered in the only Chicago run. As Cabaretta at that time was on second base he scored from that spot. Trucks throws and Nicholson swings and here's a high foul ball coming up into the press box just to our right for strike one. No balls, one strike on left-handed hitting Bill Nicholson. Trucks trying to pace himself here in the ninth. Delivers a medium-speed curveball, and Nicholson again is after it and fouls it off. So that's very quickly strike two on Bad Bill. It's a thing to note now that Eddie Mayo, the second baseman, is about uh, ten yards back on the grass, down in the hole between first and second. Trucks delivers. Misses for the curve outside for ball one. One ball, two strikes. So really, there are only uh, three infielders. When Nicholson is up at bat, four outfielders. Trucks delivers the plate. And Nicholson had a notion but changed his mind and took it outside for ball two. 
Two balls, two strikes. Count on Bill Nicholson. Bill gets himself set at that plate pretty solidly. Takes the next pitch as he leans back from a high curve off the point of the chin for ball three. Now it's three and two. Nicholson, the first batter up for Chicago here in the top of the ninth inning, has worked trucks to a 3-2 count. Now the pressure is squarely on both the pitcher and the batter. The 3-2 delivery is low under the knees of Nicholson for ball four. So Bill is on. And that is walk number three given up by trucks. The batter now is Gillespie. He's gone over for three this afternoon. His last attempt was in the seventh inning in a fly ball to left field. He's gathered in behind Greenberg. Nicholson steps off first. Trucks delivers to the plate and Gillespie swings and there's a bounding ball to first. Rudy York picks it up, steps on first for the out. And Nicholson moves over to second base. So Gillespie is out but moves the runner ahead. That's one out in the top of the ninth inning. The batter now is Hughes. Roy Hughes, a shortstop, was walked in his last at-bat. That was in the seventh inning. But prior to that time, he'd gone 0 for 2. So he hasn't had a hit this afternoon. Trucks checks his runner at second now. Throws to the plates, a fast curve, swung on and fouled up behind first and over into the field seats. Well, the count on Hughes is no balls, one strike. Here in the top of the ninth inning, with one out and one on, that's Nicholson at second. The score is Detroit four and Chicago one. This is Trucks pitching for Detroit, and he's gone all the way. Delivers, and there's a nice curve in there for a strike. Trucks came down with a medium speed job that picked up the outside corner just above the knees. Well, the count now on Hughes is 0-2, no balls, two strikes. Rudy York talking to that big at first. Trucks delivers, and there's a high pop-up over the mound as Hughes swings, coming in under it. His third baseman outlaw, and right behind the mound, he grabs it for the out. And that's all for Hughes, popping up and out to third baseman outlaw. And the batter coming up to the plate now to hit for Erickson is going to be Heinz Becker. Heinz Becker, who is a utility infielder, he plays a lot at first base for Chicago and has played some in the outfield for them. He's been troubled a lot by bad ankles. This is the same Heinz Becker who was born in a place called Berlin, Germany. Now makes his home down in Texas. So Erickson will not hit, and Heinz Becker, hitting left-handed, will hit for him. He's a pretty good-sized guy. Willow, he swings on the first pitch and spins all the way around and goes right down to his knees when he misses. For the counter strike one on the pinch hitter, Heinz Becker, B-E-C-K-E-R. Becker pumps that bat back and forth. Nicholson leads off second. Two away, top of the ninth. Trucks goes into his pitching position, delivers, and it's high over the letters for ball one. One ball, one strike on pinch hitter Becker. Trucks studying every pitch very carefully. Digs himself a little dirt out of the pitcher's mound. Now settles down. Looks down at the plate, delivers. Becker swings and misses on a fast curve for strike two. Trucks just reared back and threw that one in there. Boy, he is fast. I think Bill Slater told you in the early part of the broadcast that all you could see was a streak of white coming from that mound down to the plate. 
That's what it's been this afternoon. Trucks throws again. Becker swings and strikes out. The ball game is over. So in the ninth inning for the Chicago Cubs, no runs, no hits, one man left, and there were no errors. So we've had the second errorless ball game here in the 1945 World Series, and it's even, Stephen, as far as the Tigers and the Cubs are concerned. As this afternoon, the ball game is won by the Detroit Tigers behind the fine pitching of Virgil Fire Trucks, a 26-year-old right-hander from Alabama. The score and final totals, four runs, seven hits, no errors for the Detroit Tigers. One run, seven hits, and no errors for the Chicago Cubs. And, of course, the losing pitcher for Chicago is Hank Wise. Well, here comes Bill Corum from the press group to give you his summary and human interest highlights of today's game. First, fans, here's an important special message to all experienced Marine officers and seamen with certificates. If you've left the Merchant Marine or are thinking of doing so, you are turning your back on real opportunity. With devastated countries to be rebuilt, island outposts to be occupied and supplied, and new prospects for international trade, the Merchant Marine presents post-war opportunities fully as great as in any American industry today. The Merchant Marine offers you a steady job, a job not affected by reconversion or cutbacks and employment readjustments. Experienced officers and seamen with certificates are needed right now. Write or wire collect to Merchant Marine, Washington 25, D.C., and give your rating or license and your address. Standby pay starts immediately upon acceptance. Well, now we're not going to waste any more time. We know that you want to hear Uncle Billy Corum. So, Uncle Billy, how'd you like the game today? Well, sir, all those Tigers will be trucking on down with trucks tonight, won't they? This was a fast game, a honey, a sweetheart. A real good baseball game played under ideal conditions. Yesterday it was Chicago that was the toddling town, and now it's the Motor City's night to cut a rug. On this sunny, wine-like October afternoon, it was the Boston Bengals who had the right Hank Greenberg. And so this thrilling Detroit victory was jointly shared in a way by our country's wonderful Navy and wonderful Army, of which all of us are so proud. Because it was Captain Hank of the Air Forces by way of the Bronx and New York, and Virgil Trucks, the Birmingham boy with the whistling high hard one who shared the hero roles as the always calling cats evened up the series at one game all to make tomorrow's third game on this same field the rubber battle up to that point. A great triumph for Trucks who got back into a Tiger uniform only last weekend to start that rainy Sunday game on which the Tigers rode to their American League championship. I thought perhaps that Trucks might not be up to a full nine-inning championship game, but I guess a fella can come out of that Navy and do anything. That's the sort of Navy we got, and that's the sort of pitcher was today. Trucks was today. And who hit the four-master that won that one in the night down in St. Louis? Well, just the same Henry Hank Greenberg, the big, smiling, and extremely popular hitting star of the Tigers. This is Hank's fourth World Series, by the way, and today's three-run counting homer and game-winning blast was his fourth series home run. He's hit one in each of the four series in which he has played. I think Frank Stubby or Overmeyer almost certainly will be the pitcher for the Tigers tomorrow. He's a southpaw, Michigan-born from Moline, I believe. If the Tigers had lost this one, this one there was a possible chance that O'Neill would have come back with Hal Newhouser. I would be inclined to doubt that on account of Newhouser's bad back and the short rest and all, but it might have been. However, we won't have to worry about that now. 
And Overmeyer's opponent, surely tomorrow, will be the veteran Claude Passau, a right-hander and one of the National League's pitching stars for many, many moons. The spirit of friendliness and sportsmanship, as far as these two teams are concerned, was illustrated today by the fact that Don Johnson wears Eddie Mayo's plastic glasses while in the field. The glasses are, by the way, Mayo's own invention. He's a plastic engineer, and it may be that he's trying to build up business by introducing glasses for infielders. Few infielders wear them, you know. However, Johnson and Mayo did both today. Pathco's glove was an important factor in this ball game for the Cubs because it gave them their long run. And uh, that's unusual because, of course, the Cubs had to be at bat. But on Calvaretta's single, Pat, uh, in the inning that the Cubs scored, I won't look back at the scorecard right now to tell you, but anyhow, it looked like a single to center. It was the fourth inning. The ball hit Andy's glove lying in the field and was slowed up just enough that this, coupled with Kramer's slightly tardy and casual handling of the ball, Raj not expecting Calvaretta to keep hustling on the second, permitted the Cub captain to reach that station safely by inches. It was a bad break for the Tigers at the moment, for Pathco followed with a surefire, high-bounding double play ball to short. But of course, with Calvaretta already there, there was no twin killing to be had. Nicholson then followed with a single to center that scored the Little Bears run. But of course, Kramer, the old doc, who had picked up a base hit off-wise in the previous inning, more than made up for his slight lapse in the field when he singled Webb home to tie the score in the fifth, and then came Greenberg's mighty payoff smash to deep left center. Fatco made a great one-hand catch out there, by the way, of a ball that was hit even farther and harder by Rudy York than Greenberg's homer. I guess Hank's got the right idea, the way to play that Fatco is to hit him up in the stands where he can't get to him. Well, we're just not going to see many better baseball games than this one was. Better crowd, better sportsmanship, and we can only hope that tomorrow will come along and be the same kind of a day, whichever team wins. And it looks now, as we said in the beginning, and some of us at least thought, we're likely to have one of those good all-rousing six or seven game series, and of course anybody can win it still, because Neuhauser's failure was more than made up for today by Truck's great pitching, and now Steve O'Neill, that genial, lovely Irishman from Pennsylvania, knows that he's got two great pitchers because Neuhauser still is that, even in defeat, with Virgil Trucks to come back up there at Grimm and that great cup pitching staff. Well, fans, tomorrow another day, and Gillette's Cavalcade of Sports will be back on the air promptly at 1.15 Eastern Standard Time to report the third game of the 1945 World Series for you, play by play. Until then, smooth sailing, smooth shaving, and good afternoon from your host, the Gillette Safety Razor Company, Al Helfer, Bill Slater, and yours truly, Bill Call. Remember, men, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. Use Gillette Blue Blades with the sharpest edges ever home. See holiday on...